Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 777, 777. Try saying that 10 times. I'm your host, Surreal Joe Quinn. Uh, on this 21st, excuse me, 22nd of June 2021, as we discuss the world of sports and pop culture, second day of summer. Uh, we hope everybody out there is enjoying their Tuesday. Again, we're going to go go through a lot of NBA here. Um, again, and they're, they're still playing basketball. They're still playing basketball basketball uh, as the NBA season gets now into its uh, final four stage, where you know NBA finals is uh, you know a couple of weeks away. Um, probably beginning to, uh, will be you know in the beginning of July. So it's so we're almost at the end of the NBA season. Um, as always, again, you can catch this podcast anywhere, anywhere that you find podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and what and what have you. So be sure to check out the podcast there. Go to my YouTube channel, check out the podcast, subscribe, subscribe. You'll be well appreciated. Where else will we begin? Like, where else is there to begin? Um, and that, of course, is in Philadelphia. And before we get to the series itself, because um, I got to give Atlanta, I want to give Atlanta its credit for winning a game seven on the road. It's not easy to win a game seven on the road. And they've won now five playoff games on the road. So that that, that, should, that tells you something about their character. In contrast uh, to the team that they beat in terms of the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, listen, the easy vic the, the easy scapegoat in this situation is uh Ben Simmons. And we'll we'll get to Simmons soon enough in terms of where you know what could be possibly his future. Certainly probably more than likely will not be in Philadelphia. Um I got you know I you know, I was talking thinking about this today, even yesterday, in regards to Simmons. And you know, we as sports fans expect our teams to win. We want our teams to win. We expect guys who are making a lot of money to perform at a high level, especially a guy of Ben Simmons's caliber of his skill set, uh, minus the shooting and of his, you know, the fact that he's making they, you know, signed a max deal uh, a couple of years ago. I got, you know, I got to say there's a human, you know, there's a, a human factor to this that I guess people are somewhat ignoring. I know the fit of a sports fan sports fan could, could care less and could, could give a shit about Ben Simmons's mental, uh, you know, his, his, his you know his mindset right now. Um, they just wanted to win, but imagine someone imagine you know getting to a point mentally where you cannot perform something that you have grown up, have just loved, that, that you love to do, that you cannot perform something that you, that seemingly comes natural to you all of a sudden to where your the mind just does not allow for you to, uh, to do what you want, to do what you love to do. I, like, you know, I, I can only imagine what, what, it, what would it be like if you were a surgeon, if I were a surgeon and I could no longer operate on a patient because of whatever, you know, Whatever block mentally that I had, I really empathize with Ben Simmons's 
current situation that goes beyond playoff games and uh, uh, playoff games and, and, and jump shots. I really do. Um, because having something taken away from you and not knowing the reason for it, and this goes beyond Ben Simmons, but this is bigger than Ben Simmons not having a jump shot. We can address, you know, his work ethic or his, or what he needs to do in the off season, things of that nature. We can, we can definitely address that. And he definitely has a, he definitely has a responsibility to get better um, as an athlete, as a performer, but mentally something is, is wrong with Ben Simmons. Uh, there's a, there's a mental block with him wanting to, him wanting to be on the court, him wanting to shoot the ball, him wanting to be even be on the court right now. And I, I just don't think that that has been highlighted enough, um, in my opinion. Um, again, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't expect the Philly fans to give two shits about that. Um, but I just, I just had to, I just had to one to just mention that off the top. This guy isn't a, he's in a bad place right now. I mean, I look at him at the press conference. He looked like he looked, you know, you saw someone who looked scared, unsure of himself, insecure. You saw someone who just, you know, looked like he just did not know, you know, what was what was next, what direction to go in. And, you know, he's getting criticized for it is what it is. I am who I am. But those are, you know, his honest, those are just his honest thoughts. Clearly, this is something that he's been dealing with, I think, you know, longer than past night, past the 2021 season. Remember, last year, last year he was injured. He wasn't in the playoffs. Two years ago, what he did was kind of overshadowed by Kawhi Leonard's shot. In 2018, that was his first playoff appearance. That was his first playoff appearance in only what his second um, in his uh, thing with his second season. So three years ago, or maybe that was his first. Maybe that was his first uh, full season. I think 16. Well, he was drafted in 16. But anyway, he was. That was his first playoff appearance three years ago when they lost to the Celtics. So I, I look at this. From a Ben Simmons standpoint, I had to go I, I, before I get into like the basketball aspect of this. I had to go immediately to the human part of this because I, you know, none of us would, we don't, none of us would ever want to be going through what Ben Simmons is going through mentally. I don't want those type of problems in my in my in my life, and I'm sure you don't want those type of problems in your life uh, in regards to you in regards to your respective careers if you all of a sudden woke up one morning and could not do what you love to do. From a basketball standpoint, um, now again, you can blame you can blame Ben Simmons to the cows, come on. Billy fans, you know, stopping his jersey, burning his jersey, you know, F Ben Simmons, get him out of here, you know, get you know, I'll, you know, I'll pay for the flight for the Portland or wherever he gets traded. That's fine. That's cool, but guess what? When he gets traded, Philadelphia will the Sixers will still be a toxic situation. This organization, this culture, 
is the reason why the Sixers are a number one seed that got eliminated in the second round that blew multiple eight, uh, blew an 18 and 26 point lead in a series that lost three home games in a series. It's the Philadelphia culture, period. Um, and this, remember, this team was built on a culture of losing. If we go back to 2013, 2014, remember the process? How, you know, how uh, Hinky told us, you know, we're, you know, we're smarter than everybody else. We know what you're doing. We're smart and you're not. We're going to go, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. And then in a couple of years, we're going to be, you know, everybody's going to be basically, you know, taken back what they've said about us because we're smarter than everybody else. We're going to lose on purpose. Tell you to basically, basically say, this is what we're trying to do. Create a culture of losing and then get all of these picks and you'll see, you'll see in three or four years, we'll be smiling at the end. Well, yeah, did that process land Markel Fultz, the number one pick? Yes. Did that process land Ben Simmons, the number one pick? Yes. Did that process land Joel Embiid, who I believe was the number three pick? Yes. It sure it did. Joel Embiid, all-star, all-NBA, finished second in the MVP this year, had a great year. Played well in this series, though I have some issues with him. I'll bring up later. Average about, what, 30 and 12, something like that. Ben Simmons, rookie of the year, has been a three-time All-Star. Been all one of the top defensive players in the league. Has been All-NBA one time in his career. Markel Fultz, of course, we know what happened with that situation. So, you look at the, the totality of the process. Um, you have four playoff appearances. No appearances in the semifinal in the, in, the, in the conference finals. No conference finals appearances. No NBA finals appearances. The Wizards in that time span have more playoff appearances than the Sixers. With five, I can go across the board with teams in the Eastern Conference who since through since that 13-14 season not only have more playoff appearances, but have at least but have been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami has been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Indiana has been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston has been to the Eastern Conference Finals three times during that same time span. Toronto has a championship during that same time span. Okay. None of those franchises purposely tried to lose in order to rebuild. You can rebuild and still go out there and, 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 and you know, have your fans be respectful the team because they're trying because they're actually trying hard. They're overachieving. Miami Dolphins did it uh, a couple of years ago at the end of the season, despite trading, despite the fact that everybody knows that we that they were building for the future with all the draft with all the players that they were trading to get draft picks. So this is a culture that has been built on losing. This is a culture that was doomed from the start. Besides the fact that your two best players don't fit or not a fit, and they never have been. Simmons is, you know, Simmons would be better off in the post. Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is a post player, so those two can't play together at the same time and be effective and have the team, you know, be a championship caliber team. So this is a, again, and this is a culture that allowed Ben Simmons 
to not, I mean, to allow Ben Simmons to go his entire career without shooting the basketball. Say, oh, oh, Ben, he's, you know, he's a great rebounder for his position. He's a great playmaker. We love that. We love everything, everything else he does, but he doesn't shoot the ball in 22. And in this day and age, you can't have a point guard that does not shoot the basketball or is not even, forget about not shooting the basketball, they're not even looking to shoot the basketball. Ben Simmons took three shots in, the, in, in a three shots in the fourth quarter in a seven game series. And it's a laundry list of players who attempted more shots in the fourth quarter than Ben Simmons. A laundry list. So again, this you know, this is this is way the Philadelphia, this situation is way bigger than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is maybe one of the symptoms, but he is not the disease the, the, uh, the disease in terms of the situation, not by any stretch of the imagination. They'll trade Ben Simmons and there will still be the Philadelphia 76ers is still a team that you can never trust and will ever, never try, be able to trust in the postseason. You have a culture that has its best player and its head coach basically simultaneously throw Ben Simmons under the bus in a press conference. You know, Joel Allen and B, for all, the, for all his talent, for all the great things he does on the court, I thought Embiid this year when he was healthy was the best player in, 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 in the sport when he was healthy. That's the key word, when he's healthy, because he's missed almost half of his regular season games since he's gotten the league, okay? He's not a leader. He gets, on the, he gets on the press conference, he gets in the press conference, has every excuse in the world, every excuse in the world. I played on my, I played on a torn meniscus, which was true. Uh, I play as hard as I could, uh, you know, but that particular that play, that particular play where we pass up on the layup and then missed a uh, free throw, that was the turning point. That wasn't the fucking turning point of the game. How about how about one? How about your eight turnovers in the game? <laughs> how about that? I'm sure those eight turnovers could have resulted in you know, those are eight possessions that. That the Sixers that the Sixers didn't have because of those turnovers, or maybe uh, maybe they get maybe they score some more points with those particular possessions. I'm sure those possessions. I'm sure those were in a, in a game that was relatively close that the Sixers could have used those extra possessions uh, in a, in a game seven on your on your home court. And again, you look at NB playoff numbers over the last two years; they've been great. 30, basically, he's basically 30 and 11. But you know what? They don't impact winning. Embiid is not a leader. And Embiid is not a guy who you can win with as your number one player. He cannot be your best player and you and you uh, win a championship. That's, that's, just a, that's just the reality of the situation. Can't be. Does not inspire other players around him. Goes out there, puts up numbers. And he'll get you to the playoffs, but there is a ceiling that you reach with Joel Embiid as your as your number one guy. And the bottom line is, and we started in this playoff in, in this playoff series or in this playoff run, as usual, you physically you physically cannot be dependent on. You couldn't make it past. I mean, you couldn't get past the first round physically. Got hurt in the first round. You can't trust that guy for four playoff series and to win sixteen games to, for a championship. 
Doc Rivers. Doc now with this Game 7 loss has lost five straight Game 7s. I repeat, Doc Rivers has lost five straight Game 7s. He's lost nine Game 7s overall, five at home. Or maybe it's maybe it's four straight Game 7s, five at home, six and nine overall. Doc Rivers... Doc Rivers' teams have collapsed seemingly postseason after postseason after postseason. We don't have to go far. You can go Denver uh, Clippers last year. You can go Clippers in 2015. Um, it's just a laundry list of playoff failures. How many double-digit leads his teams have had in the postseason that they've lost? You look look at just look no further of what Doc of what Doc Rivers did with the Clippers last year and what Ty, Ty, uh, Ty Lue is doing with the Clippers this year. Clippers this year get down, get down two games to nothing in back-to-back series, win both of them, um, including the last two games against the number one seed, Utah, without their best player. You think, you think that's happening under Doc Rivers? Ty, Ty Lue is a coach that actually makes adjustments within the series, within the game. And I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago. I'm like, Doc Rivers is not – not only – forget about Doc Rivers being, being a top coach anymore. That's, those days are long gone. He's, not, he's bad at this point. I mean, he's, a, he's a bad coach at this stage in his career. And I, I didn't think it was possible for coaches to regress like that. I, we know players get older and physically they break down, things of that nature. That happens all the time. But I just I didn't think it was just possible unless a coach just got too old uh, and he just mentally you know wasn't there anymore. I, I, Doc Rivers has regressed as a as a head basketball coach over the in, in the last basically last decade. It's been, you know, a study regression, but he's regressed. You know, there was a time when Doc Rivers was great at, you know, connecting with players. He's a great motivator. That, Doc has never, Doc has never been an X's and O's guy. So let's let's be honest. He's never, we're never going to mistake Doc Rivers for for a, a great X's and O's coach. Um, but he's always been, I, I I thought I thought again a great motivator. Knowing how to deal with veteran players, knowing what, you know, how to rest guys, things of that nature. Can't even do that anymore. I mean, Doc had a, a 10-man rotation in a game seven. <laughs> you look around the NBA, you got, you got Milwaukee basically playing six guys, really five and a half. You got Brooklyn playing five and a half in a game seven. You got all these other teams at most. Now, once you get late in the series playing like six or seven guys, Doc is playing 10 guys. Ten guys in Game Seven. <laughs> oh, Doc! Ten guys in the Game Seven. Still playing Dwight Howard. Oh boy! <sighs> you know, had Danny Green on Trey Young in Game One. So, you know, and then Doc goes out there. And if I'm Ben Simmons, I wouldn't even want to come back to play with Doc. To be honest with you, we 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 had to, he would have to atone for those comments that he made. In the press conference, that that backtracking that he did on Monday wouldn't be enough. You know, they go out there and ask him, "Do you think Ben Simmons could be a championship player, a point guard on a championship team?" And you know, Doc Doc, who has been praising Ben Simmons all year long, who has gotten to fights with the media verbally, 
about, you know, you guys don't know basketball. If, if you think I should take uh, Ben Simmons off the floor and so on and so on. Doc did com- completely does a 180 at the press conference and says, well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm like, Doc, like, geez, I mean, if you could say, you, I mean, if you were thinking that that's one thing, or if you tell Ben Simmons that behind, behind the scenes, that's another thing. But you publicly to make that kind of statement, to kind of just throw him through the bus, through and under the bus, I mean, my goodness, that's, again, that is not, that is dysfunction. That is a toxic, that fits into the, that, this, this narrative of the Philadelphia being a toxic culture when you have your coach talking like that. So Ben Simmons needs to, you know, get out of Philly for his own mental, you know, for, just for his own mental good. He needs a fresh start. He needs a, a team to be built around him and his skill set. Um, and, you know, from, in terms of Ben Simmons himself, he needs to decide what he wants to be as a basketball player. What kind of basketball player does he want to be? Does he want to be a guy who is a is a good player, can do a lot of things, will occasionally stat, you know, you know, stuff a stat sheet with assists and rebounds and, and, and what have you, or does he want to be a great player who has the potential to be a top 15, even top 10 player, top 10 player with uh, you know, with his with with the physical attributes that he brings to the game and with his basketball IQ, it's all up is you know, it depends on what he wants. What he wants, I, I don't know what's thinking. I don't know what's going on in Simmons' his head. Um, you know, you've heard, and I heard this over the past, basically the past year, or maybe the past few months, about his lack of work ethic, um, and that he's a guy that enjoys, you know, being, you know, enjoys being a Holly, being a celebrity basketball player. You know, in terms of who he dates, and he loves the Hollywood scene and, and what have you. Um, listen, I don't need those rumors to know that he clearly hasn't worked on his jump shot. So that, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, he doesn't, he, like, he clearly can't shoot the basketball. But a lot of that stuff just recently came out. Like, that, that talk was not coming out two to three years ago. But ultimately, it's up to Ben Simmons. Um, he's not the first player not by any stretch to come up small in the playoffs uh, to be at, to be at an all-star level, not by any stretch. We've seen guys over the course of the year, over the course of the years come up small in, in, in the playoffs and some guys recover from it. The great players, some guys don't recover from it. The great, the great ones, LeBron James is the world, Magic Johnson's Kobe Bryant's those guys, you know, use it as fuel and take their games to another level. I don't know where Ben Simmons falls uh, in terms of that. Uh, on that, in terms of, I don't, I don't know where Ben Simmons will fall in terms of that. I don't think I, I wouldn't give up on Ben Simmons. He's only twenty-four, has a ton of talent. There's still enough. There's still enough time to fix this. But again, it depends on Ben. A lot of this depends on Ben Simmons. What does Ben Simmons want? Um, out of his bas- out of his out of his basketball career moving forward. He said basically, you know, said, you know, said all the right things at you know at the after the beginning of the press conference. You know, he has to get better. It's on him. Um, you know, held himself accountable, unlike, you know, Doc Rivers and uh Joel and B, 
as far as the Hawks goes, uh, give the Hawks a lot of credit. They were without Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdanovich, uh, Boyan, not Boyan, but uh, under Bogdanovich, who is probably the second best player. It has been the second best player during the playoffs. They survived by Trey Young, you know, disaster basically in the for the for, in terms of shooting wise he goes five for 23 had did have a big fourth quarter um and you got guys like john uh kevin herter you know coming up big john collins had like 14 and 16 uh they played excellent defense and they you know again this is, this is a team that has a lot of poise a lot of uh this is a tough mental this is a mentally tough team and this is a team that that changed their culture within in the season, within the season. I mean, Atlanta, you know, the coach gets fired. Uh, they get a they get a midseason changing coaching change, and they flourish after that. And next thing you know, they find themselves in the conference finals for the second time in seven years. Of course, they would you know they gotta go back. It'll be ironic because they're going back to going against the guy who last led them to to the conference finals in Buddenhouse and, and Coach Bud back in 2015. Um, where they got destroyed, of course, by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But uh, again, you know, I've enjoyed watching this Atlanta team play. They move the ball. They are they become scrappy defensively, and they are they are a team that doesn't take any shit. Like they they will they don't back down to anybody. Uh, we'll talk more later on about the note that about that upcoming series with Milwaukee. But give Atlanta credit; it is not despite everything that was going on with Philadelphia, not easy to win a game seven on the road. Of course, tonight you have game two between the Suns and the Clippers. Uh, Game one, of course, and both CP3 and Kawhi Leonard are out. But uh, you're going to see CP3. I I would suspect that you will see CP3 probably in game three, more than likely. Uh, I thought that I honestly thought that he would play in, in this game, but of course he's still in COVID protocols. Um, so and Kawhi, of course, has still has the sprained ACL. Now again, that, the talk has been all over the place with Kawhi. Nobody knows with Kawhi because Kawhi doesn't talk, and his camp for the most part doesn't talk. But um, I've heard things that he made that he could be back before the season before the series is over. I heard that he is heard you know, that he may be done for the playoffs. So I, I don't know what, I don't know what to believe, or who to believe. I, I just know because again, Kawhi doesn't talk. So I just know this. I think that CP3 will be back before Kawhi. I'll say that. So I, I, I will confidently say that they will have, uh, that the Suns will have CP3 before the uh, Clippers have Kawhi Leonard. Uh, what a great game on Sunday uh, between the Suns and Clippers. Very entertaining. Very, played on a very high level. It was Devin Booker showing that he is becoming an emerging star in this league. He's had a tremendous postseason, and he absolutely lit the, lit the Clippers up with a 40-point triple-double, had a big third quarter. Had, I think he had 18 in the third quarter and really displayed his playmaking skills, displayed a, his poise under pressure. Was was handled, did a great job of handling the double teams. Did not panic whatsoever, and was very patient in that game. Um, that was the thing that jumped out to me was his poise and patience for a guy that's still very young. I mean, Devin Booker is what twenty four, twenty five years old, maybe uh, yeah, about twenty four or twenty five. Um, that was a big time win for, for Phoenix without 
uh, a guy in Chris Paul who had been a top five MVP candidate. And Phoenix is right now, you look at the, look at the Suns, they are playing the best back to back, best basketball of any team in the playoffs. And they have been the best team in the playoffs up to, up to this point. Like right now, I know Milwaukee's favorite because they because they took because they took out the Nets, but right now I, I think if I had a gun to my head, I would pick the Phoenix Suns to win it, to win the championship, especially with Chris Paul uh, coming back. Uh, they have great balance. None of those guys are scared. They share the ball. They move the ball, and there is a chemistry that they have right now that that seemingly to me is unmatched in the uh, NBA right now. Um, but again, that, I think this series against the Clippers will be a long series. Clippers played Clippers. I thought the Clippers played relatively well, minus the, the fourth quarter in that game. They, they fourth quarter, I thought I think they were only like eight for twenty-three. Uh, you see Ty Lue playing a bunch of people. Again, I listen. We know what the Clippers' great rotation is. They in terms of the small ball, we saw that in the Utah series. I can't. You can't knock Ty Lue. Or playing a bunch of people because again he they're coming off a, a, a tough series um where he towards the latter part of the series he had been, he had cut his rotation game one on the road it was basically a feel out game especially if you're if you're the home team if you're the road team yeah it's not a game that you you want to give away that you're trying to give away of course they're trying to win the game but it is a game that, it's a game where the, the home team has is under pressure to win not the road team so it's a game where you can if you're if you're Ty Lue, you can do some experimenting. You can see, you know, which guys might be long for the series versus which guys are not going to be long for the series. Um, I know people were complaining about the Demarcus Cousins minutes and and what have you. Um, I don't anticipate that Cousins will be a major factor in this series as the series goes as we get deeper into this uh, series, um, further along into the series. But again, you have to give Phoenix an awful lot of credit. Um, for that performance, that was again the game was played at a very high level. Considering that you're, you're playing the game, the game is played without two of the top ten players in the league this year. In regards to all that, all the All NBA teams, or Kawhi was first team, Chris Paul was second team All NBA. That was a high, high level game. Clippers, you know, knocked down twenty three pointers and and uh, still lose the game. Amazingly, amazingly. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen teams do that over the course of the playoffs, knock down a bunch of three points and still lose the games on Miami in the first round against Milwaukee, uh, lose game one of that series, knocking down 23 pointers and still losing. So it is not the, you know, just because you get a bunch of threes um, uh, certainly does not guarantee victory in, in this 2020, this 2021 postseason. But again, this was a Devin Booker special. And you look at what Devin, Devin Booker's had a number of significant signature performances uh, in this postseason. And this being his first postseason, he, you know, goes 47 and 11 in a in a uh, closeout game against the Lakers. He scores 34 in a closeout game against uh, the Denver Nuggets. Um, so Devin Booker is, you know, is a guy who, you know, really – was mentored under Kobe Bryant. You see his mid-range game. You see just you see his, the understanding he has of the game uh, and what he's taken from. I think certainly has taken from not only Kobe Bryant, but from Chris Paul. I mean, he's running the offense. He's basically 
you know, like like basically like their second, you know, it could be like a like a point guard out there. Uh, you can you can play both positions. So the the two or the one. Uh, so he was in again in total control of the offense, and it's going to be a major problem in the series uh, for the Clippers uh, for the Clippers to deal with over uh, the course of the series. So you have of course game two tonight, and we'll see what adjustments are made on Devin Booker. Um, on Devin Booker as the Clippers uh, try to even the series at one. Of course, go back to Saturday, you had an absolute classic game seven. One of the best game sevens that I've seen in recent memory, uh, recent memory right there with the Clippers Spurs in 2015. And of course you had, uh, you know, 2006 Spurs uh, Mavericks, which was a classic, a classic game between Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki. This was right there with those two particular game sevens. Uh, a highly, a, a game that you know. I know both teams didn't shoot the ball, didn't shoot the ball terribly, but you know didn't light up the scoreboard. But both teams made big shots down the stretch, big plays down the stretch. Um, give Milwaukee credit. Milwaukee did absolutely what they had to do, what they should do. Um, you. You're playing against a team that is minus Kyrie Irving. You're playing against a team where you have a guy playing with a grade two hamstring, which James Harden was very quick to remind us in the press in the, in the post game. You should win it. You should win the game. You should win the game, even even on the road. If Milwaukee wanted if Milwaukee wanted us to take them serious seriously as championship contenders, then they had to win this game. And, you know, there were some there were some moments in this game at one, you know, 96, 91, 101, 96, where you thought, well, well, Milwaukee was on the ropes. You get a three pointer out of Drew Holiday at 96, 91 to cut it to two. And then you get a three pointer out of Chris Middleton at 101 to 96 to cut it to two. Those to me were minus the Chris Middleton shot in overtime. Those are the two biggest shots of the game to really stem the tide. Because at that point, when Brooklyn, you know, up by five, late in the game, crowd's going crazy. Kevin Durant is is in his is, 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 is in his bag, especially in that fourth quarter, scoring, I think, scoring 15 points. You thought that, it, you know, you thought that could possibly be a wrap for, uh, for Milwaukee. But those two shots really stem the tide. On a night where, you know, Drew Holiday and Chris Milton did not shoot the ball well at all, um, they made big, they made timely shots. And, um, you know, look at that game, you know, Brooklyn probably should not probably should have been up by like 10 to 15 points at halftime. Uh, you had holiday and Middleton were four for 22 in the, in the first, in the first half combined. So, you know, I'm sure Brooklyn is certainly, despite the injury, certainly, uh, have to be believing that they probably, that they, you know, that they should have won that game despite the injuries. When you have a Kevin Durant performance where uh, he breaks, you know, Dominique Wilkins' scoring record of 48 point, of 47 points, goes for 48 in a game seven. Uh, give Giannis a lot of credit, um, 40 and 13. He goes 30 and 17 in game six and 40 and 13 in game seven. You see on the on the graphic, five straight games, five straight 30-10 games to end the, end the series. And basically, you know, you know, this lot of the beginning of a lot of this series was about was basically criticizing 
the, the uh, Giannis for basically not being Kevin Durant. He's, you know, he's not a shot maker. He doesn't do this, doesn't do that. Like, you know, there's nobody does what Kevin Durant does. Like, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world right now, and there is not a shot maker right now. Maybe, I mean, okay, there are two guys that, that are that can that are on the level in terms of shot making that Kevin Durant is, uh, and I would say Steph Curry and Dame Lillard, but they're both 6'3". Kevin Durant is seven feet tall, so that's the difference. Uh, Kevin Durant is one of the best shot makers in the history of the sport. Um, without question. And right now, you know, right now, June 22nd, 2021, the best player in the world to me, without question. So um, you saw what you, you see what Kevin Durant did in the series, 35, 10 and five, shot the ball well. Um, he dominated during this postseason. And I, you know, frankly, if you want to criticize him for being 0 for 6, in the overtime when he had no legs, when he played, you know, goes 48, 40, and 53, then knock yourself out because uh, I'm not I'm not going to criticize Kevin Durant for not having any legs in that overtime, which he clearly didn't, uh, as Brooklyn only scored two points in that overtime, and that was, of course, the Bruce Brown layup to begin with. Um, so, again, a strange series, a game where uh, Milwaukee, frankly, had the win. Giannis quiets critics, at least for now, like to completely shut up critics, Milwaukee and Giannis and Mike Budenholzer will have, have to win a championship. This might be their best opportunity to win a championship. It's, it's right there in front of them. They have home court. Uh, they, will, they will have home court in this round and they will be favored no matter who they play uh, uh, in, in the uh, NBA finals. So this is as good as opportunity as they will, as they ever have, ever have had, maybe ever will have in terms of winning a championship. They have the best player remaining in, in these playoffs in Giannis period. They have the best player remaining. They have veterans players on there. They have a number of veterans on that team. Um, so I'm not going to go, I'm not going to say again, I'd pick things to win out of the remaining four teams. So I'm not saying that is Milwaukee's chance championship to lose but it is to me without question their best opportunity to uh to win a chip as far as brooklyn goes listen i you know a lot of people want to kill brooklyn um in regards to how this season ended if i were to grade brooklyn it would be a incomplete there's no way you can gauge this team fairly without talking about the injuries you lose Kyrie Irving in what game four of this in, in the first half of game four of this series, you in essence lose James Harden in the first 17 minutes, excuse me, uh, you know, at what the first 43 seconds of, of, of game or 17 seconds of game one. And he's never the same after that with the hamstring. And you basically have Kevin Durant and a bunch of, you know, good role players to, you know, and a couple of them not even showing up in regards to Joe Harris. Uh, Blake Griffin was tremendous in this series, by the way. And um, he was Blake Griffin was he can't play any better at this stage in his career. So he was the long uh, role player that was consistent. The rest of those guys, Joe Harris, Green, uh, even uh, Jeff Green, Brown, those guys could not be trusted game in and game out. So I, I can't knock Brooklyn. Again, knock Steve Nash. 
for this first year. What I will say is in regards to James Harden, we, we can rewind back to the beginning of the season when James Harden did everything in his power to get out of Houston, including coming into camp uh, out of shape, comes into camp out of shape in a compressed season, 72 games, and lo and behold, he suffers his first major injury basically of his career, to be honest with you. James Harden has been one of the Ironmen of the NBA, one of the more durable players this side of P.J. Tucker and LeBron James in, in the league over the, past, over the past half decade. So this is a guy that never gets hurt and was never doing low management, anything of that nature over the course, over the course of the last five, seven years. So he comes in, you know, I guess, I mean, it's one thing to want out of Houston, but I think that you might want to come into the season in shape considering that you're going to play a lot of games in a limited amount of time. I think, I think that would be the, uh, you know, I don't think it's, don't think it's a coincidence that the one year that he comes in out of shape that he gets hurt. I I just don't, I don't find that to be a a coincidental at all. And it turns out and he gets hurt in the regular season, misses a bunch of games and it, you know, wasn't able to, wasn't able to, um, and then gets hurt in the playoffs. And it costs and it costs Brooklyn. So you want to call that karma? Uh, you want to call that call it what you want to call it? But James Harden was brought into to Milwaukee. Was excuse me, brought into Brooklyn as Kyrie Irving insurance. Period. Kyrie Irving has not been healthy. Is another guy who has had trouble staying healthy over the course of his career. He's missed now four out of the last seven postseasons. He's been hurt, and that includes the bubble from last year. So you can't you can't be a liability physically when you are supposed to be the insurance because you you can you're winning a championship with a healthy James Harden and Kevin Durant period I don't care what anybody says this team this team didn't they didn't even need all three to win a championship in my opinion they get two of those two of those three guys operating at premium at full blast healthy they win the chip but. You know, injuries are a part of sports. Injuries are a part of the NBA. We can go back, trace, we can go back years and see a number of injuries that have impacted the title. And this year it did Brooklyn in. It did Brooklyn in. I think that uh, next year, again, next year is going to be a big year because those guys, all three of those guys can opt out in the summer of 2022 in Irving, Harden, and Durant. So next year, all eyes will be, again, on this team. And I, I'll say this now, you know, I won't wait. I don't need no need for me to wait till October, or November to say it before NBA, before the uh, Vegas starts betting on who's going to win the next championship. But I'll, I'll say this right now, if that team is healthy, they will run through the league and win a cha- and win a championship, period. But they are, you know, they are the, they are the best team when fully hold. This is the best team in the league. Make no mistake about it. They actually, and they, act, people, you know, people talked about what, um, what could curtail them besides health in terms of winning a championship it was their defense. They actually played great defense over the course of the playoffs this year. Go look at the numbers, go look at their defensive rating, go look at their field goal percentage against. They were basically top five or six in all those categories. Points allowed. Milwaukee didn't, they helped Milwaukee down pretty much offensively in this series. Go look at the numbers. So it was, their defense was not a problem in, 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 in this postseason. In, even in particular in this series, um, that was not the issue. They 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 lost because they were not healthy.
getting back to and again, um, I know this, this game took place on Friday night, but it was one of the, it, it was one of the most peculiar, strangest games that you will ever see in the playoffs, and that was what the Clippers did to no, to to Utah in that second half. Uh, Clippers are down by <laughs> Clippers in the third quarter of that game were down by twenty five points, down by twenty five points, and came back, outscored Utah eighty one to forty seven. Um, shot the lights out, hit like something like fourteen or nineteen from the from the field, uh, from the from the three point from uh, uh, from three, shot seventy one percent in a half in a half, and of course that you know Terrence Mann goes berserk with 20, 39 points. Reggie Jackson had twenty eight. Paul George uh, got loose in the fourth quarter, and of course a lot of this came at the expense of one Rudy Gobert who. As the primary defender, the Clippers were 12 for 15 against Gobert as a primary defender. Gobert should have been, you know, should have got played off the court. Quinn Snyder stuck with Gobert, put him in an impossible spot as he's up there trying to cover guys who are 6'5 when and give and Ty Lue went to a super small lineup, you know, going with basically with uh Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, um Patrick Beverly. Uh, Paul George and uh, who was the other guy, the fifth guy that he had on the floor. There's another guard, um, man, and even took Morris. And he even took him, mean, he went super small, uh, basically like six. Like Paul George could have was basically the center. I forgot the other player that was on the court. It will come to mind, it definitely will come to mind. I know you had man, man, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Reggie Jackson. And the fifth, oh, Batum, Nicholas Batum. That was, yes. That was, so he, you know, Batum was the other guy. So Batum basically was a power forward. Paul George was the center, or Paul George was a power forward. Batum was the center. And three, basically, you know, small guards with Beverly, man, Beverly, Beverly and man, and Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson is about six, seven, six, 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 seven. But he goes with the super small lineup, and Utah had, of course, no answer for that. Again, Snyder, Quinn Snyder, should have absolutely took Rudy Gobert off the floor. Like you cannot, you can't leave Rudy Gobert on the floor. I mean, you have like I don't see P. And I don't blame Rudy Gobert. I mean, you just cannot. It's impossible for him to cover all that ground. And they got a bunch of open shots, a bunch of especially corner threes. And now you again, Utah. I never completely. I never trusted Utah to win a championship. I thought they were a, a, the epitome of a great regular season team. Um, and now they are in the similar position that Philadelphia is in. You have, you know, you have two second best players who are making max money, and they both are liabilities. Ben Simmons is a liability with the shooting. Gobert is a is a defensive and offensive liability. Really, a defensive liability when a team decides to spread him out, spread you know, spread him out and and and, and go small, and he just can't guard at that point. So he has four years, $157 million left on his deal with a player option in his last year, $46 million. Conley's an unrestricted free agent. Ingles is an unrestricted free agent. I, I, you know, I guess they, they could probably resign Conley for a much cheaper rate. Conley, of course, you know, signed that and signed that max super, super max contract, which was the first super max contract signed back a couple of years ago in Memphis, where he'll make uh, $34 million this year before he's off the books. 
I mean, you could probably get him now, you know, at this point. I know he made an all-star team, but you could probably get Conley probably for, probably for about half that because he's it's late in his career. But, you know, even if they don't resign Conley, there are a number of point guards that you can get uh, off the market. Uh, as far as tradable commodities, um, you're not – because I don't, I don't think Gobert has a lot of trade value. Ingles is a guy, you know, he has one year left, $12 million that you could possibly move. That maybe you can get some value value for. I, I don't see a lot of moves for Utah, to be honest with you. I, I don't see a lot of uh, ways that they can go, uh, that they can improve their team. And to me, it's going to get to a point to where, and we haven't heard this as of yet, but we, I mean, remember early in the playoffs, there was a situation between Donovan Mitchell and the, the medical staff and that franchise about you know his ankle. He wanted to play game one against Memphis. They wouldn't let him play. And, you know, he was, of course, he was heated and they lost that game and he ends up just destroying Memphis for the rest of the series. So maybe that's maybe that, that has gone away. But that, you know, that wound is I'm sure it would not take a lot to reopen that wound. But if I'm Donovan Mitchell, you look at the last two postseasons. Utah has a, has a 2-0 lead. They blow a 25 point lead in game six this year. Last year, they blow a 3-1 lead against Denver. This is despite the fact that their best player last year averaged 36 points a game, shot the lights out. This year, on a bad ankle, and he was legitimately hurt. He still averages 32 points a game in this, in these playoffs and was tremendous for the most part in this series. Uh, some point, Donald Mitchell is going to realize that he cannot win a championship with Utah. Now, on pure on pure ability and stubbornness, that might not be for this for this following year, but I don't see Donovan Mitchell at this rate finishing his career in Utah uh, if they cannot, unless they pull off a miracle with a draft pick or some type of trade or some something falls into their lap. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see you know, what they do moving forward. Again, this is a team that needs to get more athletic on the perimeter. Their perimeter their perimeter defenders are too are are, are too slow. And, uh, and cannot defend wings, cannot defend quality wings like a Paul, like Paul George, like like, like a Paul George, like a Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, like you know LeBron James, just you know some of the guys to say you know, you know some of the guys that uh, just name a few uh, in the Western Conference: Michael Porter Jr., Jr., uh, Devin Booker. So there are a number of talented wings that they just cannot defend right here, right now, and. Um, for me, you know, they're in a tough position. They're, you know, they, I think they've kind of they've probably hit the – this is probably, you know, we you know, we spoke about Milwaukee having a great opportunity to win a championship. This, you know, I, there won't be too many better opportunities for Utah to win a championship than this year. You have no LeBron. You have – you had home court advantage. You had no Jokic. Denver gets knocked out. With, with They get knocked out early and with, dealing with their injuries. Uh they were in, you know, you know, CP three missing, you know, missing the first couple games of the conference finals. Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. I mean, there's that, that you have to win one of those games and get it back to Utah in Game Seven. You can't lose Game Five and Game Six without without the without the other team's best player not playing. That is that's just completely unacceptable um, to me. And like that franchise again, they have a lot of questions to answer in, in the offseason. and um. 
I don't think they have, I, I don't think they has I don't think they have the answers to those questions moving forward. So we'll see what happens with Utah um come next season, come this off offseason and come next season. Of course, you have the draft lottery tonight. Um, Oklahoma City and both Oklahoma City and Golden State have a chance at top five picks. Uh, Houston right now has the best odds at the number one pick. If Houston's pick falls below number four, on uh, Houston, no, Houston, if Houston's pick falls out of the top three, Oklahoma City will get that pick. If Minnesota's pick falls, uh, below, I think five out of falls below five. Then, um, Paul's, excuse me, if Minnesota's pick falls out of the top four, then I think that pick will go, then that pick goes to Golden State. So, which couldn't, which if that happens, then if you're Golden State, you have some more trade ammunition. You'll have that, that pick along with, uh, along with, uh, and Andrew Wiggins, along with yeah, you have that pick along with Andrew Wiggins, and even Wiseman is a, is a trade asset. And despite what happened last year, still a valuable trade asset. He's still young and, and, and not making a lot of money. Uh, so Golden State really has a chance to make some moves here if they were if they you know if they if they get lucky with this pick and get this top pick. So that is something you want to keep your eyes on with this draft lottery. Finally, so you have a bunch of guys that are committing to the Olympics, the Tokyo, the Tokyo, Olymp- Tokyo Olympics, um, which happened very this summer. Uh, Durant, Harden, Booker, Damian Lillard, a number of guys, you know, a who's who list of players are going to, are going to the Olympics. And I find that curious because you just came off one of the most physically excruciating seasons in NBA history. Um, probably right there with the 99 lockout season when they played 50 games in 90 days, which was, you know, look at, look at that now. That's just, you would say, that would never happen in 2021. But, you know, I heard, you hear a bunch of guys saying, complaining about rest, or you hear a bunch of guys, you hear, you see all these injuries, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious of now why these guys are playing in the Olympics. Like, uh, the season's going to, like, the season will be back around in October, October before you know it. So, again, I, it's hard for me to take these guys' complaints serious if they're playing the Olympics. If on one hand, you're talking about the season, you know, you're talking about, you know, too many games and the compressed season, but on the other hand, you're, you're committing to playing in the, in the Olympics. So I I'm, I found that again I found that very curious about a number of these stars who are who have committed to the who have unofficially but basically officially committed to playing in the Olympics especially James Harden and Durant who are guys who are you know over the age of thirty one you know Harden is thirty one will be thirty two Kevin Durant is going to be thirty three in September and he has a lot of miles coming off an Achilles uh, coming off an Achilles. Um, Injury, which, by the way, you know, again, nobody has ever has ever survived that injury as well as Kevin Durant is in the history of the sport. But still, it's like he has a lot of miles on that. He has a lot of miles on him in terms of Kevin Durant and both these guys. So I was surprised by that. Um, 
but I guess, you know, in terms of this is marketing and things of that nature, this, you know, in terms of their brand and they want that kind of publicity. But I, again, I, I wouldn't do it myself. If I, you know, like I would rest up for, get my body rested for the next season. Cause again, the next season is going to be, going to be coming around before you know it. October is not that far away. When you think of it, when you think about it, it's not. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, greatly appreciate it. Find this, this podcast. I will I will release this podcast sometime. Uh, this podcast will be released sometime later on to this evening, early, early, early Wednesday morning. So be on the lookout for that. Enjoy the draft lottery. Enjoy game two, Phoenix Clippers. I will see you next time. So long.